listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. All right, welcome to another episode brought to you, of course, by the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. You can check us out on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it. We are there. And don't forget, check out silverscreenandroll.com for all your Lakers needs. We got you covered with news, stats, opinions, analysis, and much, much more. The big news from today, the Lakers picked up Antetokounmpo. No, it's not the one that you want. Don't get too excited. Uh, they actually claimed Costas Antetokounmpo off waivers from the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, he's on a two-way deal, so he's the second player of that, along with Zach Norvell, to break it all down with me and a lot more. My man from Lakers Nation, Trevor Lane, how you doing? Doing good, Jess. Thanks for thanks for having me on. So, were you excited when you when you got the notification saying Antetokounmpo coming to the Lakers? Were you like, oh? <laughs> did you realize pretty quick that uh, okay, it was like basically the secondary version of the one that we would want? Yeah, fortunately, I I read the full tweet before I even like reacted <laughs> to it. So I so I realized right away, okay, Costas Antetokounmpo, not Giannis. Um, and so I didn't get too, too fired up, but I did fire off a tweet though, like right after like quote tweeting Sham saying, you know, finally the, the Lakers have put LeBron, Anthony Davis and Ansa Takupo together on the same team. Uh, <laughs> so I know some people weren't too thrilled with, with that, but, uh, but yeah, you know what, look, Hey, you do what you got to do. And I'm sure that teams right around the league, 29 teams right now are preparing tampering charges at this moment. I'm sure. Well, that, and I was thinking the same thing too. I'm like, so this is pretty much well, uh, Wink, wink, nod, nod. Little bit of a tampering thing that hey, we got your we got your brother in our system now. If you're expecting much from Antetokounmpo, I wouldn't. I think his, his stats were something like he averaged one point one rebound at very limited minutes last year. He, he played eleven are, minutes. Eleven minutes. Okay, okay. <laughs> so I mean, there you go, right? And he's going to spend time in the in the G League. He's on a, he's on a two way deal. Uh, so I mean, unless he makes some crazy amazing, you know, step forward like a guy like Alex Caruso, where he becomes an everyday guy, we're not expecting much out of this, right? Yeah, I mean, he did work out for the Lakers before the draft, but um, a couple of years ago draft. But uh, but yeah, I'm not expecting a whole lot out of him. I'm not expecting. I, I would be surprised if he played any minutes with the first team. I, I don't think that's that's really in the in the cards here for him. But um, I, I think that what this is is, I mean, he's he's a player in his with his own merits. He's not like he's not just some random guy that you're just grabbing and saying, Hey, you're his brother. So come on, join, join the Lakers. But I think that's, that's a factor. It's gotta be. And you look at what the Lakers front office has done recently. You look at the KCP situation where the big benefit of bringing in KCP and paying him what 18, $19 million a couple of seasons ago was that you got a direct line to rich Paul, which gives you a direct line to LeBron James. Then look what happens. Then just uh, that next summer, LeBron James joins the Lakers and KCP is stuck around. So it feels it does feel like the Lakers are kind of executing that same playbook here because now they've got a direct line of communication to the Antetokounmpo family, which obviously includes Giannis, who's going to be a free agent in 2021, which happens to be when all of the Lakers' big contracts uh, fall off. So, yeah, I don't think that that's just by accident or anything. And and really, it's it's smart, even though some other teams around the league are probably you know raising their eyebrows right now. Oh, of course they are, because they're already thinking, damn, these guys are up to it already, and it's two yep. years out from, from when Giannis is going to be unrestricted. Now, if you look at some of the comments Giannis had made 
previously, he talks about uh, the fact that he enjoys being in Milwaukee. He could never see himself. This is a quote from Antetokounmpo from before. Uh, he was talking with uh, Matt uh, Velasquez of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Uh, he said, hey, look, I can never see myself being out there talking about L.A. It's great for two or three days, but it's a little bit, things are, are going a little bit crazy. And he just talked about how much he loves Milwaukee. Now, we've seen this kind of stuff before that players are saying, no, they're happy where they're at and, and they'll figure it out. Although Kawhi, and we'll get to him in a bit. He was always kind of on the fence about never really let it be known that, hey, I love Toronto and I'm, you know, I want to be there. He never said that. But Giannis has kind of come out and, and said this, like, I'm staying in Milwaukee. Do you think a move like this could at all potentially, even a fraction, change his opinion on maybe being a Laker two years down the road? Oh, sure. I mean, if he's if he's a little skeptical about being with the Lakers organization and then suddenly he hears from his brother that the organization is great and they've treated him well and all these things. I mean, it, that, that chips away and that makes him maybe a little bit more willing to listen. Now, yeah, he's saying all the right things about staying in Milwaukee and he probably does, but things change. I mean, look, last October, Kyrie Irving was saying he was re-signing with the Boston Celtics. He came mm -hmm. out and he told Celtics fans. Now, Kyrie's obviously a different guy, but things change over time. Plans change. Like just a few months ago, we thought Kevin Durant was a lock to be a New York Nick and now look what's happened, right? So things do change. And so this doesn't hurt the Lakers at all. This doesn't really cost them anything. I mean, it's a two-way spot. You can change those out as much as you want. You can you can wave them and bring in somebody else. So it's it's a extremely low risk, even no risk, potentially high reward, as unlikely as it is, but it doesn't hurt you. So you you might as well give it a shot. Yeah, that's the, and that's the best way to do it. You know what? This doesn't hurt you. You're gonna put them in the G League. Uh, they got rid of some guys who who probably would have been in the G League, like uh, Isaac Bonga, and that you know going into next season in that trade to get the max cap space for a third guy with the Wizards. But uh, you know, you look at this uh, again. It's it's a low risk, high reward thing. Even if it gives you an increase of like three percent to land a guy like Giannis, and you mentioned it too, they got all that cap space opening up again in 2021, which. On the media side of it, I can't wait because that means that entire time between when the Lakers, if I mean, if they if they end up winning a championship, great from then on until uh, June 30th. And I think the NBA might even make changes to free agency before then. But it's going to be a great time leading up to 2021, that, that free agency class. Because next year, we know other than maybe Draymond and an old Kyle Lowry and, and a DeMar DeRozan, that's all you got out there, right? Yeah, next year is, is a dud in terms of free agency. Uh, so because of that, it makes a lot of sense the way the Lakers structure their contracts this year to be two-year deals because having cap space next summer isn't really all that helpful because there's not that many pieces out there to go get. So, yeah, I mean, look, this is going to be a, an interesting storyline to follow. It's And the Lakers aren't going to be the only team that's plotting to go get Giannis. Uh, but we'll we'll see where it goes. There's two years. A whole lot can happen between now and then. Oh, yeah, for sure. And and I think the interesting part about all this is it doesn't affect the fact that Lakers still have a roster spot, right? And and who they're going to bring in with that, that's going to be kind of the key. If they're going to look to maybe go into veteran style and and making a trade. Again, Iguodala, if, if Memphis is looking for a first-round pick, the Lakers don't have it. So let, let's not even bark up that tree for now. But I, I still think the buyout period, you're, the Lakers are going to stay one short until then. Do you agree with that? Or you think they're going to they'll make a move or try and see if they can? add another veteran piece early on before the season gets going. Yeah, I think unless Iguodala suddenly pops free and becomes available, then I think you you leave that spot open just as as not just so you have future flexibility, but also as that carrot for your guys that are in training camp. Hey, look, we've got an extra roster spot and we're bringing in, what, seven, eight players probably. They're going to be competing alongside the regular guys. 
And so if somebody does really pop and really, really work out well, even though you don't have that two-way spot to give them anymore, you could still offer them a full-team roster spot if someone surprises you and shocks you. So it's good to have that flexibility, especially when there's nobody out there right now really in free agency to go get. Yeah, the, the Memphis Grizzlies wanting a first-round pick, by the way, that's that's really interesting because the the Golden State Warriors had to pay the Memphis Grizzlies a first round pick in order to get them to take the salary mm-hmm. of Andre Iguodala. And now the Grizzlies are turning around and saying, Hey, all these teams that are waiting for us to buy out Iguodala, we're not going to do that. In fact, if you want him, you have to trade for him and we want at least a first, I'd assume that they'd be getting some bad salary in that too, but still um, kind of funny The the Grizzlies are trying to, to get two first rounders in total out of Andre Iguodala. And if they can pull it off, man, that would be, uh, that'd be impressive. Well, it's a huge, it's a huge coup. And you're kind of seeing that with, with a lot of the, uh, you know, just in general with it, with the NBA, the younger GMs and they're, they're bringing in these guys who are, who are trying to look at it more. I don't want to call it money ball because in the NBA stars still win. And we see that that's a tried tested and, and true thing that if you have a superstar, like a legit top five, you know, top 10 player in the NBA, you have a chance at a championship. And, and what these teams are doing now more and more is just like, screw it. We're just going to load up on first round picks and get assets and try and make, try and make moves out of that going forward. And, and I think you saw that with, with the Raptors. That, that was a home run that Masai Ujiri hit with, with Kawhi Leonard. It could have blown up completely in his face if uh, they lost to, to Philly in the, in the second round and, and Kawhi doesn't make that crazy uh, buzzer beater there in, in Game 7 to send the Raptors to the conference finals. But it, it's kind of the way the smaller market NBA teams have to do things, don't you think? Yeah, look, I mean, we, we've we said it before on, on our postgame shows all the time, that singles matter, right? I mean, hitting these singles do add up to something. I mean, it doesn't mean that you're getting the superstar, and that certainly matters more. But if you're able to hit one single after another, after another, after another, eventually you're scoring runs. So, uh, so yeah, look, I, I think that, that these small market GMs that are lining up one move after another, ultimately it's going to pay off at some point. Maybe you cash in your chips, a la the 76ers, and you go all in and you try to try to win right now. But uh, but you're able to do so because you stack up all of these solid moves. And uh, that's what the Grizzlies need to do because they're certainly building from the bottom right now. Yeah, and you look at a team like OKC, because I'm checking out what Sam Presti's doing there. And he's just, like, you know, loaded up on uh, multiple, multiple first-round picks, you know, through the Paul George trade. And and he's looking at – Presti's looking at it like, okay – you got to hit a home run and try and get your own guy. You got to be bad enough, maybe that you you land a top five, top ten pick, or you you hit on a good draft pick in that you know let's just say fifteen to thirty range. But what he's trying to do is get one or two guys in the draft, and then yeah, if you got to make a move to get a guy who already has term um, was something obviously you didn't see with Kawhi on that one year deal. That you you got to go ahead and do that, and I think that's the way the NBA is moving. And um, you know we had discussed this before as well. The Indiana, I forget his name now, the, the writer for the Athletic, just talking about how oh, yeah. the pace in purgatory right and it's like you kind of agree with that because to me if you're like I, I i'm from vancouver and we had the grizzlies there and i've thought about it a few times i'm like hmm, i wonder what it would be like if the grizzlies were still around and, and to me you know i i they would be in a no-win situation because although vancouver is a great city it's a world-class city to me it beats playing in a place like cleveland uh, numerous nba markets but why do you think guys are so hesitant to open themselves to playing to that or is it just the lure of the big markets like la I think there is a lure uh, to the big markets, but I think it also depends. I, I mean, look, there's no, there's no question. There is a big market advantage that that exists. Um, that advantage, I think, is smaller than it used to be. I think that the small market teams go into free agent pitches selling, "Hey, look, you know, you can be a superstar anywhere today. 
I mean, Oklahoma City had stars. They had Durant. They had James Harden. They had Russell Westbrook. They had all these pieces, and uh, and they were even able able to hang on to some of them. Westbrook. I mean, Durant stuck around for for a while before eventually leaving. Uh, so if you run your organization the right way, then I, I think small markets can build teams that are that are winners. But ultimately, if there's a if there's a big market that is run well. I think they're going to attract free agents at a better rate than a small market team that is run similarly well. I think that's what it what it comes down to. And people look at the Lakers and they say, say, look, the Lakers have been dysfunctional for years. Why are they getting stars anyway? And all that. Well, yeah, it's the Lakers that matters. Um, they freed up cap space. They had a bunch of young talent. They were able to use those things in order to, to get those things done. So that's kind of the way the way they went about it. But I mean, look, if the Knicks were a sound run organization. Like they would have stars. Like that's that would be that would be happening. The Nets got stars because the perception of them changed and they were run well. So there's always going to be that built in. Uh, for the small markets, though, it, that doesn't mean that you can just throw your hands up and say, "Oh, it's a it's a broken system. It's never going to work or anything." No, I think small markets can win. Just the margin for error for a small market is uh, is a lot tinier than it is for the big markets, and that's just. That's the nature of the beast, man. It's the it's the way of the world at this point. When you look at at the uh, just the dollars that these teams are bringing in. Wait, I just want to go back to something. You don't think James Dolan's running a good ship there in, in New York? Is that what, is that what you're saying? <laughs> Careful, man. You're going to get banned. Yeah, you're going to yeah. get banned from the building. <laughs> I'm going to get revoked from coming to MSG. Yeah, in New York. <laughs> He's just that type of dude. <laughs> um, well, one thing I do want to get into a little bit uh, about the CBA, but we'll do that after this uh, short break. All right, and we are back. So before we were just talking about the difference for small market teams versus big market teams, and and you were you know getting into how the big market teams, if they're well ran and they have the they have the money available, yeah, it's going to be more appealing to the megastars of the NBA. Do you think with the CBA coming up uh, in a couple of years now, do you think we're going to start seeing changes to that? Because I know the goal of of the previous one. I mean, they've done really well with their TV contracts. You've seen how the the star players, especially, are getting astronomical salaries. Um, so the players union might be a little bit hesitant to, to budge on a few things, but you know, the owners wanted to go away from the six, seven year deals that we're seeing and now going down to four or five. Do, do you think we'll start seeing a little bit of, of a different system being set up because the small market teams might start complaining about what they're seeing again? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's going to happen. The small markets are going to complain because that's, um, that's what they do. They feel that there's that little brother complex and everything that's, that's at work there. And look, and I understand it. I mean, I get, they feel like, Hey, you know, we've we've been doing things the right way and still guys are going to L.A. That's a, that's a problem. They're going to want to try to fix it. Uh, but here's the thing. Every time we have a CBA discussion and every time things get changed, there's consequences. There's unintended consequences, I should say. Right. I mean, the the Supermax that was supposed to make it so that the stars would not leave their teams because the advantage of the incumbent team to pay their player would be so great. They could offer so much more money than anybody else could that they would they would certainly not lose their stars anymore. And look what's happened. The Supermax instead has become what's seen as a terrible contract. I mean, look, John Wall, right? I mean, that's the, the worst contract in the league right now. And of course, that's that's due to injury. But it's become more something that owners fear. I mean, the Charlotte Hornets could have offered a Supermax deal to Kemba Walker, and they didn't do it because reality is there's only a handful of guys that are worth Supermax deals. So those have wound up becoming more of uh, more of something that drives player movement than anything else. I mean, the Sacramento Kings, they traded DeMarcus Cousins away so they wouldn't be put in a situation where they felt like they had to pay him the Supermax just to get him to stay. And that's not what the NBA was trying to, to do. Uh, the other side of this of this discussion is that players have proven time and time again 
that they are willing to walk away from money. And that's something that the owners weren't expecting. Look, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving took less money in order to bring on DeAndre Jordan to the Brooklyn Nets. Like yeah. they don't have they don't have max deals because they like DeAndre Jordan. All right, cool. More power to you. But if you're a league owner and you've got players that are willing to walk away from money, are willing to take less money to go play and work where they want to, how do you fix that? How do you I mean, you just tried to legislate it out through finances, you tried to, to restrict player movement financially by by creating shorter contracts and giving the incumbent team a bunch of advantages in terms of how much you can pay. What do you do? I mean, do you go to a franchise tag? Do you fight that battle with the players union? union? It's a tricky spot to be in, and I can see both sides of it. But uh, I don't. I think the players like being able to move around like this, and uh, it's going to be a fight. It's definitely going to be a fight if they're going to try to do something that's going to restrict that. Yeah, and just for, for the people listening, the CBA runs through 2023, 20, 24, but either side can opt out uh, after 2022, 23 season. So still about four years away uh, from that happening. And, and I, I agree with what you're saying, because to me, I looked at what happened with Kawhi. And I'm like, okay, they did. And, and we had, I, I talked about this with you, I think, on, on some of the post-game shows that we had done as well, is that, look, the, the Raptors, it, it made it easier for Kawhi to leave that they won. And I, I just believe that from the start because I'm like, what does he have left to do there, right? He, he, did, mm-hmm. he went there, bought the city a championship, which, come on, nobody ever thought the Toronto Raptors were going to win an NBA championship. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, right. when you saw what they had with DeRozan and, and Lowry, I'm like, dude, these guys, unless they you know, get a superstar, which they're able to for for one season, they're not going to be a serious championship contender. Okay, they did that. They found a way. And you look at this. Okay, we we they did everything right. They played him sixty games. They didn't force him to to you know suit up and and play any more than that. Seemed to be that he got along really well with Nick Nurse. Got along well with the guys on the team. They they traded for uh, Marcus Gasol during the year, taking on him, knowing that he had a twenty five million dollar option coming into this season. Now coming up to the the 2019-2020 season, they did everything they had to to win. And when you look at it, he still bounced, and it's. Now, what, what else does a team have to do in order to, to be a, 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 an attractive destination? They won a championship, spent all the money, surrounded you with, the, with enough talent and, and, and the right coaching and the right system to put you in a position to succeed. You won the finals MVP. And this is something I wanted to get on because during an episode of the Hoop Collective, uh, Brian Windhorst of ESPN, he's been on the podcast here a couple times as well, but he painted a picture uh, in which basically the Toronto and the Lakers felt something that, that they were disappointed beyond that, that they were kind of left at the altar. And and uh, this is a quote from, from Windhorst as well. He heard, that he heard complaints from the Raptors that Kawhi basically came in and asked for the sun, the moon, and the stars and left them at the altar. And some were saying that the Lakers felt like that too. Do you think that Kawhi ever seriously considered the Lakers or was it just a marketing play that, or, that he knew he was going to come to the Clippers regardless? Uh, to me, I think this is, this is just my gut feeling on it, but it, it feels like the Lakers were the second choice and the Raptors were a, were a distant third uh, when everything shook out, which I was a little bit surprised. I thought, if anything, he's either going to go to the Lakers or the Raptors, but we didn't know about this Paul George to the Clippers thing. So basically, he was using the Lakers as a as a threat, right? He was holding that over the Clippers. Hey, go get me a star, and I'll sign, but if you don't, I'm going across the hallway, and you guys are going to have to watch for the next however many years. You're going to have to watch me and LeBron and Anthony Davis form a super team, and that's what's going to happen. And so um, so the Lakers were basically used as that threat. They were used as leverage against the Clippers. And I, I think that if he, if the Clippers hadn't pulled it off, they've said, you know, look, 
OKC wants a million picks for Paul George. We're just not going to go there. We're not willing to do that. It would have been dumb on their part. But uh, but if they had done that, then Kawhi just goes and he signs with the Lakers. And, and we're talking about a completely different NBA season here. So um, I understand why the Lakers would feel like they got played here. Um, the Raptors, look, they don't they didn't they weren't going to have money in free agency anyway. So it's not like they were going to go sign a bunch of guys if Kawhi told them right from the beginning, hey, I'm not going to come back. For the Lakers, they missed out on signing a few players, although I still think a lot of the deals that were done early in free agency that the Lakers could have gotten in on weren't great deals anyway. There weren't that many deals where I went, oh, man, that's a great bargain. So I, it's not, I don't think the Lakers missed out so much, but I understand them not being able to get into free agency and being held up and being and having Kawhi tell them, this is from Ramona Shelburne, having Kawhi tell them uh, just a few hours before agreeing to be a Clipper that he didn't want, uh, that he he wanted the Lakers to push back the Anthony Davis trade to give him a little bit more time when in reality he's only buying the Clippers more time in order to complete a trade. Like, I, I get why the Lakers would feel a little bit slighted, but I think they've still come out of it just fine. Oh, yeah. The, the, anytime you have an offseason where you add Anthony Davis and, and you've got some proven vets like Danny Green, like DeMarcus Cousins, who I think is the huge X factor and all this going into next season for this team, yeah, they, they did pretty well. But I agree with you. I think it was just kind of snaky on, on Kawhi's part. Maybe it's more Uncle Dennis because Kawhi might be the type of dude who wants to play on his Sega Genesis and mind his right. own business, whatever he does in his own free time. But He's um, playing Sega. He's, he's still playing <laughs> Sega Genesis. He's got a little Sonic the Hedgehog going. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. He's just rolling, doing whatever the hell he does in his own time, playing some Mortal Kombat or whatever it is. But uh as now everybody knows how old you are. <laughs> oh, I, I'm old. I, I mean, I, I, ain't, I ain't ashamed to admit it. I'm old. I'm in my mid-30s, man. Trust me. Those are the games <laughs> I, I grew up on. But uh, I guess, yeah, Kawhi maybe would have been uh, Super Nintendo age or something like that. Hey, but... Super Nintendo and Genesis. That was the same time, man. Those were those were competing systems. Were they? Yeah. I thought it was... Was it? Yeah, it was Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo. The what came out? Sony PlayStation, right? Was the early two thousands. That was the that was the next generation that came yeah. out. That was even that wasn't even two thousands yet. That was mid nineties. We're going on a crazy tangent here, but that was like like <laughs> mid nineties because I remember like wanting that so badly for Christmas and and all of that. And that was like a huge step up from the Sega Genesis, which which I had. And uh, oh, they had, God. Some, yep, good they had some good basketball games for that. I mean, uh, what was it? They had the two K. Was it the two K games or whatever yep. it was? They, yeah, there was okay, but yeah, you're right. I mean, we can talk about this off here, too, right? <laughs> but, but, but uh, when when you look at the whole the, the whole way that Kawhi's uh, reps handled it, like let's just say Kawhi and the Clippers made their moves a day into free agency. We found out on on July one, the Clippers got Paul George, um, traded all way every first round pick they have for the next twenty years, got Kawhi Leonard to sign right away. How do you think the the, the offseason could have shook, shook out differently for the Lakers? Do, do you think they would have maybe made a more of a run to sign a guy like Jimmy Butler? Do you think they would have made more of a run to sign a guy like Kemba or, or Kyrie? Or do you think it kind of would have played out the way it did? Or, you know, we, we talked about this before, too. They would have maybe went after a guy like Seth Curry at $8 million and, and, and uh, four years for 32 You know, like, how, how do you think things maybe would have shook out if Kawhi made that decision early? Yeah, so it seemed like Jimmy Butler had eyes for Miami pretty early on. So, look, if the Lakers were an option, maybe he considers the Lakers. So maybe they can get in on something like that. They can pursue him a little bit stronger when, you know, if you're Jimmy Butler and and the Lakers are, are meeting with you briefly or at least putting in a call and saying, hey, we're interested, but we got to wait and see what Kawhi is doing. Like that's, you know, he's not going to treat that very seriously. He's going to be like, look, I've got these teams that really, really want me and not me as like the second or third option here. So. Um, so maybe they can get in on Jimmy Butler. Seth Curry, I kind of wonder. 
Um, like I, I'm a big fan of his. I thought that his spot up shooting would have been brilliant for the Lakers, but they got KCP at the same price, and there's a kind of LeBron tax factor in there. So I wonder if on just a two year deal for KCP, where Seth Curry got four. So I wonder if they would have gone KCP anyway. I think the really interesting uh, scenario to consider is had that happened, do they then go for D'Angelo Russell? And I threw this out there on Twitter the other day. Would you rather have, if you're the Lakers, considering their salaries are roughly the same when you add them all together, would you rather have Danny Green, KCP, and JaVale McGee, who equal about $27 million, or would you rather have D'Angelo Russell locked up at about $27 million? Because if a little, if Kawhi had made his decision earlier, that may have potentially been, been an option for the Lakers. So I think that's maybe the, the opportunity cost here that they missed out on was going after uh, D'Lo. But, uh, but you know what, like, I still think, I think you can make an argument either way. I don't think it's, I don't think there's a scenario out there where you go, oh man, the Lakers would have been so much better if they had, if Kawhi had just made his decision and they got this guy instead. I don't think that situation is out there. So I don't feel like they missed out on too much. Yeah. Cause they, if they would have got a guy like, like you mentioned, they got D'Lo, they would have added, they would have had to add a bunch of those vet guys anyways right. that, that they bought in. So you would have, you would have filled it out with, with similar, but I mean, they would have had, I think less depth, but maybe more star power up front. Either way, things shook out great and things shook out great for us as, as NBA fans, because next season, the NBA, like the entire regular season is going to be awesome. And I, I think it's been a while since you had something where every game in the West between those top seven, eight teams means something because you go on a four or five game losing streak in in uh, you know November December it could cost you home court or it could even cost you a playoff spot depending if you're a San Antonio or maybe uh, a, a team like the Warriors if if Steph Curry goes down for a month uh, that could basically take them out of the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, the Western Conference is going to be and we say this seems like every year now, but the Western Conference is going to be ridiculous. I mean, the, look, there's two teams in the West that you can look at and say, okay, those aren't playoff teams. Two. And I'm talking the, the Phoenix Suns and the Memphis Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Every other team in the Western Conference, you can look at and say, you know what? That team should be in the playoffs. I mean, even looking at the Sacramento Kings, looking at the way they played last season with a full season under their belt, another year older for some of their young players, they could easily be a playoff team. The Dallas Mavericks now are combining Porzingis and Luka Doncic. I mean, that could be a playoff team right there. The Pelicans are going to play warp speed and they've got tons of young athletes. And of course, some of them we know very, very well, but that could end up being a playoff team because they still have Drew Holiday. They brought in JJ Redick. They have pieces that can help them win right now. Look, I think it's going to come down to health. I think there's going to be a few teams in the West that don't make the playoffs because they suffer injuries to some of these big guys. And you mentioned Steph uh, Steph Curry. That's uh, I think that's what it's going to come down to because the Western Conference is so tight. It's not going to be just the best teams get in. I think that at least one or two teams are going to get in because somebody else lost some players for a good chunk of the season. And on one hand, that's unfortunate. But on the other hand, it's it's going to be absolutely nuts this year. Oh, it's going to be a bloodbath, man. I mean, I can't, I can't wait till the season kicks off. I'm looking forward to the schedule release. I think it usually comes up at some point in uh, in mid August or early August. But uh, out of those teams that you mentioned, you know, like we know who the top top maybe six, seven teams are going to be in terms of you have the Lakers, the Clippers, uh, Denver, Portland, Houston, Utah. Uh, you know, those teams are all going to be there. But you mentioned, you know, Sacramento. Uh, you got teams like Minnesota, the Pelicans, the Mavericks. Any of those teams that you think have a surprise element to them that maybe not could end up just being a playoff team or maybe a top five team in the Western Conference? Oh, gosh. Jumping into the the top five. Um, 
Was Portland in that mix? Yeah, I mentioned Portland. Portland I I mentioned Portland, and they're going to be one of the teams that we expect to be pretty damn good, right? Yeah, yeah, because that's a team that I would that I would bump up if they weren't already. Uh, The Utah Jazz are are kind of my team this year. I feel like they made some really great moves. I guess if anybody, I don't know if they jump top five, but I think the the Pelicans have some upside there. If Ingram can play like he did last season, which look, he just said the other day that he hasn't picked up a basketball since March. So, (laughs) so we'll see how this all goes. But I think their their upside is very very high given the pieces that they've got. I could see the Pelicans making some real noise. Uh, can't count out the the San Antonio Spurs, uh, the Sacramento Kings. I mean, my gosh, if De'Aaron Fox continues developing the way he did last season and Buddy Heald can can knock down some shots and they'll have Harrison Barnes all season, like any of these teams can make a serious run if they can get their defense up to the levels that they need it to and then continue to play efficiently on the offensive end. These there's no easy nights in the West. There's the Kings and the Grizzlies, and that's that's pretty much it. And it's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be, look, the Western Conference is just basically going to be beating the hell out of each other all season. And then whoever emerges into the playoffs, you just hope that they haven't burned everything they've got just to get there because that's, I think that's going to happen to some teams. Oh, that's, and that's kind of what I'm, I'm worried about from a Lakers standpoint too is if, you know, LeBron, like I said, he's going to turn 35 in December, first time last season that he actually missed extended time with an, an, an injury in his career. And if he you know, misses 16, 17 games and you have AD and the rest of the guys you have out there, and they could, they're going to have to stay afloat at least. You know, let's just say he missed, they miss 15 games. The team can't go 3-12 and 12 or 4-11 and 11 without him because that literally could screw them out of making the playoffs. So it's going to be intense. It's going to be crazy. I can't wait till October comes around. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Lakers are... I think that they've they've brought in some good pieces that can help them continue winning. I think those are nights where, so say LeBron has a load management night or Anthony Davis has a load management night. That's where you go to, you turn to Kyle Kuzma. And you say, hey, man, this is it. This is your time. Okay. And DeMarcus Cousins, same thing. You say, look, Boogie, you know, if this is, if you're going to show flashes of your old self, here's your chance. Let's go. And, uh, and that's where adding pieces like DeMarcus Cousins is going to really help you out. Those shooters, you know, if you get, if you can get enough driving kick action that you can get guys knocking down shots, I'm talking like Quinn Cook and Danny Green and players like that, then that's how you're going to get through what is a really, really long season. Because you're right, you need to find ways to rest LeBron and rest Anthony Davis, and that's going to be really hard to do given how tough the Western Conference is. Oh, yeah. And then, and so, like you mentioned, I mean, it's going to be just a, a bloodbath. And, and we know that one small, you know, bad stretch for your team uh, and, and those, you know, those teams that might lack the depth, like the Dallas, like, like uh, a Minnesota, where they're kind of top heavy and they, they don't have much else. I mean, those teams could be scrambling come time for, for March, April, when, when the playoffs, are, you know, teams are really trying to play for playoff positioning. Yeah. And, you know, and don't forget about the Golden State Warriors. You know, everybody's sleeping on these guys suddenly like, oh, they're they're done. And uh, Keith Smith and I actually for the, the front office show just broke down. Uh, the Warriors today, and that's that's going to publish in a little bit here. But uh, but yeah, man, they've still got some pieces too. Like you you can't look at them and say, oh, they're out of the playoffs. They are firmly in the mix too with D'Angelo Russell in there. They've got firepower. Uh, gosh, I mean, trying to pick who's going to come out of the West is is a complete toss up. And that's you know what? If you're an NBA fan, that's amazing. That's brilliant. You know, people have been asking for years for parity. Well, here it is. Enjoy it. Oh, yeah. And uh, you know what? We've complained. People complain about having the Warriors and, and the Cavs play, you know, four years in a row and the mm-hmm. Warriors are dead. Well, you know what? You got your wish now. <laughs> so we're going to get to see some uh, a, a wide open NBA season. And who knows who's going to end up with the championship 
come time for next June. Uh, Trevor, we're going to wrap it up here, man. Thanks a lot for coming on and doing this. Hey, no problem, man. Anytime. All right. That's Trevor Lane of Lakers Nation, a senior writer, but basically does it all. You can catch him on shows, uh, podcasts, writing, you name it. He does it all for follow Twitter as well. Trevor underscore Lane. Us at Lakers SBA screen and roll.com for all your Lakers needs and subscribe to our podcast network. We got new podcasts coming up daily, Monday through Friday. Uh, we are on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it, we are there. Again, I'm Jazz Kang. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Of-